Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, The Voice of Magic Fans, episode number 10. Numero 10. Number 10. That sounded really good. It sounded like a soccer game. Goal! Yep, stop right there, please. Oh, shit. You, Wrong you, sport. You, you hit it good on the first one. So, <laughs> so we, we have a full studio today. Obviously, you heard Al. What's up? We have Justin. Yo. Mark. Pasa, mi gente. And Ariel. What's up? What's up? What's going on, guys? What's happening? So really excited to, again, announce this is our episode 10. We've been doing this now for about two months, and we've gotten some really good feedback, and we've definitely enjoyed doing the podcast and talking about the magic. Um, last week, we did do a segment where we discussed um, In the Ozone, which allowed the listeners to kind of understand or get to know us a little bit better, so we decided to bring that back this week, and... Um, the question for this week that I have for you guys is, what is your favorite city to travel to? For me, nice and simple. Let me guess. Let me guess. San Francisco. Steph Curry. It is, man. How do you guys know? Go figure. Hey. Could be because we tried taping this about five times. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> At this point. <laughs> we know by heart. San Francisco it is for me. Uh, food, people, just scenery. And uh, again, my favorite player, Steph Curry, plays there. So easy uh, choice for me. Shock. Uh, for me, it would be Seattle. I think the the food is is great. The scenery is great. The city is, you know, um, super picturesque. You could literally just pull your camera out, take a picture, and it looks like you know pretty high end. Uh, I love that place. All right, for me, man, it's a tough. It's a tough thing because uh, there's so many beautiful and amazing cities in the U.S. But I'm gonna go with one of my recent cities, which was Charleston. It was surprising. The food was amazing, the scenery is amazing, and uh, I just had a great weekend. So definitely encourage you guys out to check out Charleston. Uh, one place that I really like is uh, New York, and that's one for one simple reason: it's the pizza. I'm a big food guy. Love pizza. New York pizza is really thin. I'm going to go with Chicago. I was just recently in Chicago, and I had Chicago pizza. Chicago pizza, there's no there's no beating it. It's deep dish, and it's it's kind of like upside down in a sense. And You know, it's, it's a pizza that you can't eat with your hands. You got to use a fork and a knife. So it depends where you go in New York because most of the pizza, I wouldn't say, is thin. Yeah, but you're from New York, and yeah, you're just being a so prideful New Yorker. doesn't count. So if it's Brooklyn-style pizza, it's pretty thick crust. I mean... We don't want to talk about pizza around me. I'm a professional, and I'll let you know. So, according to you, Justin, what's the best part in New York to eat pizza? See, that's hard because there's, you know, everybody has their own preferences. But there's a spot on um, 72nd, I think, um, in Central Park West. It's called Big Nick's. It's on a, like, in between two blocks. Um, great. You got to walk downstairs like a little basement joint. It's really good. Really good. Levain Bakery is also around there. Um, just two really good places in New York to have you eaten pizza from Chicago? I have. I have. Um we when we moved from Seattle to Orlando we, we stopped by. Um I can't remember the place's name. The flavor was good and everything. It's just I don't know, I'm into folding a slice and it looks like a triangle. Like there's a 
There's a certain style of pizza that that I, I like. Time out. Did you drive? Is what you're saying from Seattle? Yeah, yeah. From Seattle to, to Florida. So that's we a saw, long drive. Because you said stop by. It's like it was around the corner. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah. We we drove. It was a long drive. It took us about a week. Um, but we spent two days in between Milwaukee and Chicago. Nice. I, I will say because I've had New York pizza, and mm-hmm. I will say that it is cheaper. Like a lot cheaper for a really good size. Of oh pizza. yeah, it is. Um, and so Chicago pizza is way is is super expensive. Mm-hmm. And but it it is interesting because it is different. If you've never been to Chicago and you know you've you want to eat Chicago pizza locally, a place that you could visit is um, Giordano's. Giordano's is really big in Chicago. Um, and Chicago style pizza, obviously, that you can try here in Orlando locally. Oh yeah, they do. They have a Giordano's by drive, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah, but what I've heard is it's not the same. I've heard is the quality's different. Mm. Uh, which I haven't tried the one in Orlando. It's probably in the water for sure. It's something, but I know I've had it in Chicago. It's delicious. It's amazing pizza. Uh, I gotta try the spot by um, by I Drive, but um, you you can't go wrong with either one, Chicago or New York. I mean, good quality for sure. What about a city that you want to travel to in twenty twenty? For me, uh, once in the in the bucket list for me is Denver, Colorado. It's mm-hmm. been there for a while. I just want to go and, and snowboard and, and just go out there and go to a cabin, get some hot chocolate, and, and just have a good time. So I'll say I, I visited uh, Denver in February, and uh, we actually stayed at an Airbnb in um, Sugarloaf Mountain. Um, it was actually in Boulder, and that place was incredible. Um, it was super elevated. And you definitely notice the difference in elevation. Uh, like we were walking uphill and a couple steps in, you're breathing a lot heavier than you do, you know, in Florida, for example. But it's, it's really cool just to see that difference and see how your body adapts to it. I love Denver. I would go back in a heartbeat. For me, I'm going to say Chicago. Uh, definitely want to check that out. I convinced you with my pizza story. It, that it, was easy. The pizza story was what put me over the top for sure. One spot I would definitely like to visit in the U.S. would be Los Angeles. Um, for one simple fact, I would like to visit the Staples Center. Boo! Yeah, what, what's so special about the Staples Center? I don't know. It's one of those iconic that arenas. Shack you, know? you got you got Shack Madison Shack. Square Garden, then you got Staples Center. Um, so Boo. I would like to check out Staples Center, and then also visit you know the area around. We got know, Amway in Orlando within driving distance. No statue, but we have the Six Man. Exactly. So, no, don't go there. <laughs> For me, it, a city that I would like to visit in 2020 is Toronto. It's a good city. Beautiful city. Just to be in the in the, the Canadian atmosphere. Um, if I can definitely schedule it to where it's the magic playing against Toronto, that would be a, a definite plus. I actually want to go around the wintertime. I like traveling in the cold just because it's a, a completely different atmosphere than what we're used to here in Orlando. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it just gets, like, way too cold in Toronto, like, down to the negative 15 yeah. and 20s. So I'm not sure my body can, can hold all that type of temperature. So for me, because I, I haven't said necessarily where I want to go yet, but it would probably be um, revisiting Vancouver or, uh, I don't know, I would, yeah, probably vi- revisiting Vancouver uh, British Columbia, I went two years ago, um, but the trip was cut short because we actually ended up getting robbed, uh, which was terrible. What? But, yeah, uh, which was In bad. In Canada? But, yeah, yeah. Um, People are so nice out there. 
That was the stigma, but it was uh, Pick, pickpocketing or no, yeah, no. They robbery. they literally bashed the windows out of our car in Canada and took everything. But you weren't their in passports. the car. No, uh, we went to go get breakfast, and we were actually parked in front of a post office, which is crazy, and nobody saw anything. But um, I mean, yeah. at, least, at least they were. I mean, it sounds a little off, but at least they were nice enough to where they didn't take your passports. Well, no, that bag was tucked under the front seat. So they time out, though. But, time but out, there time was out. a funny part, though. They actually, I had a Yankee hat, and they left the Yankee hat. They literally, like, took the bags and just left the shattered glass and the Yankee hat on top of it. For the record, I would have left, left, left the Yankee hat. I would have left too. the Yankee hat. Yeah, but wait, 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 wait. Wow. In Canada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't um, believe that story. So don't. I, I have videos on Snapchat. But anyway... Uh, so yeah, I would like to go back because I don't ever like to feel defeated. So I think that's a city I would like to like feel like I conquered. Uh, so that's probably one of the places I'd like to go to this. Yeah, year. I mean, we we've been stomped on by Toronto how many times? Too many, too many. So I, I'd like to go back because I, I still feel <laughs> defeated. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've never been, but I just don't want to go back. <laughs> All right, but let's jump into the numbers. Um, so. After tonight's loss, because it is, um, we're, we're recording this actually at 4.13 in the morning. We're celebrating our 10th episode, and we decided, hey, let's come back and let's record. Let's do this. Um, so, after tonight's loss against the Giannisless and Eric Bledsoeless Milwaukee Bucks, we are, our record currently is 14 and 18th. We're holding the 8th place, um, the 8th seed in the East. Our offense points per game, we're 103.3. Um, which puts us 29th in the league. Our three-point percentage is 33.4%, which puts us 26th in the league. Offensive rating, 104.6, which puts us 26th in the league. Um, defense, we continue to keep our place um, in, a, in a really strong footing. Points allowed, 104.7, which puts us in third. Block, 6.5, which also puts us in third. Defensive rating, 106.6, which we have 12th. We've so, slipped a little bit. Slipped a little bit in our defensive rating. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the new year coming around, um, what is what is one New Year's resolution that you have for the Orlando Magic? What's one thing that you want to see or that you wish for? I want to see the offense just step up and, and be back to that at least top 15, top 18 in the league. If we can mix in our defense being strong and our offense being somewhat decent, I think we'll win a lot of games. And that was the key for us to make a run last year to win the after the All-Star break, especially. Um, so if we can kind of pick that up a little bit, we'll be a really good team. Uh, so that's all I can ask for. It kind of feels like this team is waiting for post-All-Star break to really like take take a steam ahead. Yeah, I, I feel like that too. For me, um, I think the biggest thing the Magic could do come New Year is just work on their consistency. Um and I've, one of the things that I've criticized, for example, Mo Bamba on is effort. Um, and I, I think the Magic do a good job on average of kind of coming in and giving effort and, and actually working towards winning games. Um, but it just feels like sometimes they, they don't focus on that. And I, I, I think if they focus more so on effort, a lot of their natural ability will shine through. Uh, so I think I think that's probably one of the one of the biggest points that the team should emphasize come New Year. Mine would be to shake Coach Clifford a little bit and wake him up. I feel like he's falling asleep during the games and not a lot of emotion and not a lot of uh, energy out of him. I, I, yeah. I've been to a couple of games and he's just the same 
throughout the whole game. I feel like he's a fan watching the game and not coaching. Mm, <laughs> I, like, that's, I think that's a good point. I, no, is. seriously, I think he's just uh, he's sticking to his routine and he gets lost in the game. Do you feel like it was pretty similar to last season? As if it's kind of like after Pulse All-Star break, he he kind of turned the key a little bit and he ended up like being really more strict with his rotations and, and really more engaged. But why wait to that point? Like, you know, we're hoping that we can re- replicate what we did last year. But what if we can't? You know, what if Vucevic gets hurt again or, or, or a big piece like Fournier gets hurt again? If he's here by then. Um, my thing is we should not be waiting until that point to turn it, turn it around and start being consistent. We should be aiming to be a better team, a consistent team from the jump. And isn't that why we brought all the players back? To be consistent, to be, to run it back, and to be the same team that we were last year. Um, what we're seeing is the first half of last year's magic so far, which is not what we expected. I agree that we are seeing that, uh, but I also think that it's still like the first what third of the season, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of teams are still kind of, you know, in that oh, if we push, we might still make the playoffs, you know. Uh, but I think as the longer the season goes, I think the more Orlando will separate itself from the the bottom third of of the conference. Uh, And I think when that happens, it'll give them motivation. Because say say All-Star break comes, for example, and they're, you know, a couple games out of, like, sixth, fifth place, that's motivation right there. I remember last year going into the All-Star break, uh, Steve Clifford made it a point to say, like, you know, we're going into the All-Star break. This is not a break for you guys. Like, I need you to keep your foot on the gas and let's go. And I think they went on a four or five game win streak before going into All-Star break. I think if Orlando keeps that energy and and, and approaches the break with that same mentality, I think it could be dangerous for other teams in the East. I think my, the, the – oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, but my, my resolution for the team is to continue to beat teams that you're supposed to be. And tonight against Milwaukee, we did the opposite of that. You yeah. don't have Giannis Antetokounmpo. You don't have Eric Bledsoe. This was a team that you're supposed to be on paper. Talent-wise, we have a better team without those two individuals leading the team, in my opinion. And what surprised me the most is that if we're talking about that game specifically, the turnover ratio between the Bucks and the Magic, the Bucks had 22 turnovers to our 11 turnovers. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Our steals, we have 15 steals to their six steals. Isaac has seven of those. In rebounds, they have 57 to our 35. So what what happened? I think this was a perfect example of like winning culture. Teams with winning culture find ways to win games even when their stars aren't there. And I, I think that's what Orlando lacks. Um, and I think that comes with that comes with heart, that comes with effort, that comes with a desire to be great, whether or not somebody who's a superstar is on your roster. Um, I don't know. I think or- Orlando is still a young team, so that, that kind of plays into why they don't have that. But I think until they find that piece, that, that kind of, you know, that, that moment where they're like, we want to win and we're not going to accept anything other than wins, I don't think that they're going to be able to to come through against, you know, big teams like like the Bucks, even without their stars. Let me just throw this out there. Remember, uh, they played last night too, seven o'clock. 
and they uh, traveled last night too. I don't know if that Milwaukee did back. also. Yeah, Milwaukee played last night too. Uh, for me, it's just shot making, man. Like we, we shot forty percent from the field. They shot fifty one percent. It's that simple. We're, we have a great team, but we don't have enough shot makers. You know, if if Frost is a cold night or or, or Vooch is a cold night, we're screwed. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, so that's why I keep begging for us to make a trade for a shooter. You know, whoever that is out there. You know, Jamal Crawford, JJ Raddick, whoever it is. Well, Jamal Crawford would be an easy sign. Yeah, you would think so, right? But they don't make that move. They don't make that decision. Um, because, again, when you look at games like tonight, it's all about that guy that can score three, four buckets uh, for us. Uh, but again, a, a game like tonight, we just simply could not stop them. We couldn't make enough shots. My resolution for 2020 for the Orlando Magic, I would say, would be to make a trade. Um, we need to we need to shake things up. I feel like the players in Orlando are too comfortable. Um, if we're gonna trade anybody, it needs to be one or two of the three amigos, which is Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, and Fournier. It's been what six years, and we've got, haven't gone anywhere with these guys. We haven't really. We haven't had. Well, we had five losing seasons and one winning season with these guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's been rumors about Fournier being on that trade block or him being interested in other teams. But I think out of those three, one of them have to go. I hate to say, but we have to we have to break that comfort zone that Orlando has with these three guys. I think what makes it tough is the fact that you you have to make a decision, right? Evan Fournier could opt in or he could opt out. We don't really know if he decides to opt in. The decision has to be, one, how much are you willing to pay Evan Fournier if you decide to retain him? And then, two, if you can't trade him, right, what other shooting guards are really out there that's better Mm. than Evan Fournier? That's a good point. That's a good question, and I've been wondering about that myself. You know, we cannot for sure afford to lose him for nothing. That's for sure. So that's what makes me think, do we have to make a trade? Do we have to... Trade him for something at least. Because what if Fournier comes back in the summer and says, hey, I'm opting out. And I'm demanding at least $23 million a year. Which he could do. But he's, do, you, he's, but playing, do you, he's playing like a player that could demand that amount. Right. So, but do you think that he would do that? I think his relationship with Orlando is, you know, is, a, is to a level where he wants to stay. Even yesterday, he said during the, uh, I think it was after the Sixers, it was a post-game conference. And he was talking about how he's been here for six years. You know, he's seen the good. He's seen the bad. He struggled through all of it. It's it's his home now. He feels like this is where he belongs. Why would he want to go anywhere? That doesn't make sense. I think I think if Orlando offered him a, a respectable contract that said, hey, we're not going to overpay you, but we value you and we're going to make sure you're paid what is fair, I think Evan takes that. I don't think Evan is looking for... A massive deal to stay in Orlando. I think this is where he wants to be, and for a you know a, a decent amount of money, he would stay. But he he's at the point of his career where he could demand that type of money. Yeah, he's playing he's playing like so. Mm-hmm. He's going to look for a long term contract, and he is at the point where you know just recently he surpassed Aaron Armstrong and making it into the top 10 in our uh, points per game scoring, scoring list. right so he he is a player that um demands that money mm-hmm. and but our front office they've shown with Nikola Vucevic Aaron Gordon that they're still able to retain the players at a reasonable contract 
Yeah. Now you would have, I would imagine you would have to pay him more than Eric Gordon, but less than Nikola Vucevic if you decide to keep him. Right. But are you willing to do that? Are you willing to keep pay a player like that that you, in essence, keep the exact same outcome? I, th- with I the think team that, that you have? the answer is yes because it's not it's not really a lose situation, right? If say they sign Evan for I don't know eighty five, eighty six million. Right, like maybe four or five years. The fifth year could be an option for like a team option, right? If Evan continues to play the way that he's playing, what happens? He's still a valuable trade piece. It's not like he's locked in here. If Orlando at any time chooses, hey, we're going to trade you, they can do that. I think if Evan, like it doesn't make sense that they would let Evan walk or they would try to trade him for lesser value than what he's producing because like I, I I understand the concept of you want to win, but you also have a fan base that you have to kind of tend to, right? Because if if you're not making winning moves and it feels like you're throwing away valuable pieces for nothing, the fan base is gonna be like, "What the hell are you guys doing? Why am I paying to come to these games if you're not managing the franchise in a way that's gonna lead us to be better?" And I think right now Evan is that guy that helps us be better. It, it might not be good enough for a championship run but it keeps us relevant and it keeps us in playoff contention we were out of the playoffs for six years you don't want to go back to being that team that doesn't make the playoffs that people don't care about or talk about what's scary is he right now he is our best offensive player so you train him what is it that you're bringing in right because something has someone has to feel that you're not gonna you're not gonna let him go for a second round draft pick I mean, no, you know no, for I mean? sure not. No, and and other teams are interested in Evan Fournier. Um, just recently, Bobby Marks of ESPN reported Orlando Magic shooting guard Evan Fournier is among the likeliest um, players to be traded ahead of next year's deadline. One mm-hmm. that could be worth some serious compensation from teams inquiring about his services. Serious compensation. Serious yeah. compensations. Mm. Fournier was a popular pick for most likely to be moved. So executives are are saying that they believe that Evan Fournier is a player that will be moved from the Magic. And this front office, they haven't, again, we, we've said it before, they haven't made a big splash. To me, Markel Fultz wasn't a big splash. It was a big name, but we didn't give up a whole lot for him. Yeah, right? right? It was kind of it was kind of as if Sixers gave him to us for free so that they can get rid of the headache that they had with right. him. Right? So they, they haven't really made a really big move. And I think that whatever decision that they make next, the next trade, I think will be that. Whether it be the Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, whatever it is that they're going with, I think the next move that they make will be a big splash. So for me, I think that uh, it's definitely either Fournier or Gordon that's on the block, right? Anything outside of that is surprising. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just to go back to a few of your comments, Fournier, I don't know how, he, how much of an impact he's been in this community because with all the Magic fans that I've talked to, it's it's kind of a mixed uh, emotion, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people love him, some people hate him. Given the night, they love or hate him as well. So it's uh, I, I feel like he hasn't made that impact that maybe the Fultz uh, has made. You know, there's a ton of uh, Fournier jerseys out there. Um, so just to throw there, that out, there's there. a ton of Fournier jerseys. I, listen, I was there's getting only my... one person I know that owns an Evan listen. Fournier jersey. <laughs> that is Justin, and that was recently. The Fournier guy. Santa Claus brought him an Evan Fournier jersey. Yeah, 
Santa knows what time it is at the Justin <laughs> Santa, Santa, bro. Santa. I, think, I think Santa was able to see the future and decided that, hey, Justin, I want to give you a throwback jersey. I think what Ariel man is that there's a lot of false jerseys out there because we wanted to get jerseys just yesterday after yeah. the game last night. They're all sold out. There's yeah. no medium. There's no small. There's no large. They're all sold out. And listen, he, he did that in a short period of time. Fournier's been with us for a while. He's exciting as a player at times, but what I'm saying is in this community, I haven't seen that Fournier impact that, I mean, he's he's shooting, what, 48% field goal percentage this year? He's been, he's been pretty good, and he just hasn't made that impact in the community. Yeah, but I think I think a lot of times, especially in, in professional sports, people are prisoners of the moment, um, and Fultz is the new thing you know he's like the shiny new toy like you're gonna be excited about Fultz because he's expected to fail and you see his speed and his agility and athleticism you're like wow this how can this guy fail I mean there's literally he's built to be successful and then you see Evan who's been here through the bad times was possibly a contributor to the issues you know during his early years here uh never really had that opportunity to shine and now he's doing so quietly, you know. People are gonna people are gonna go for for what's uh, flashy more so than what's consistent. But let me let me ask the group this. So I want to hear all your opinions on this. So if February comes around and you know Fournier is thinking of opting out because he's playing at an all star level, he's gonna demand at least a hundred million dollars, and you gotta decide. You gotta bring Fournier back. We're gonna let him let him walk. What are you doing? So, Ann, I'll start with you. What are you doing at that point? So you'll have the same team. You'll have Vucevic back, locked up, long term. Fournier and Gordon. What are you doing? You can't let him walk. You have you have to pay him and bring him back because at the very least he's an additional asset that you can move on later on. Mm-hmm. But he he's a player that you just can't let walk because he still brings his team so much value. He's the only one that. Um, I believe he's our best triple threat player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can drive it in. He can shoot the shot. He's a really good passer in, in his realm. Um, he's the only one that I think that I try. If the game's on the line, I want the ball in his hands because I feel that, you know, we may not agree with his decision, but he's our best chance at succeeding and being effective with the ball in his hands. What was your question again, Alvaro? So would you bring him back? And run it back again with Vooch, Fournier, the same crew, Gordon, or do you trade him? What do you do? Are you okay paying him a hundred million dollars? Hell no. back. Not a hundred million. That for, was gonna demand. No. I mean so if, if that if that's what he's asking for, no. No. Let him walk. So think try, about this. Try it. Do you do you think that another team would pay him four years a hundred million? The New York Knicks will. Four years a hundred million? A desperate team that has to fill up a yeah. spot. He's a shooter. He's 27 years old. He'll get paid. Is Evan Fournier better than, we'll say, Tobias Harris? I mean, that's, a, that's hard to answer. To, to our team, I feel no. But, <laughs> unfortunately, somebody will pay him that kind of money. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, like, I, I would imagine he's been torching teams, right? And I, I would imagine that he's he's gained traction in his respect from mm-hmm. other teams. But, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money to give in Evan Fournier. Th- this is what I was going to say next. I I would hate to have another Victor Oladipo episode happen to us. And then 
given that we made the playoffs last year, it's still early in the season. I feel like we got to. I mean, are, are we saying we can't finish five, six, seven in the in the East? I think sure. realistically, I think if we can get into the sixth place, man, wow, you guys exceeded our expectations, <clears throat> right? That's that's a major deal. Let's is celebrate. It, is it possible? It's early on in the season. Is, is it, it possible? possible to finish I think so. Six? Okay, so with that, we're coming off a playoff run. The the community's excited. The team is 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 uh, talking about it in the media. They feel like they could compete and they could win. I mean. At the end of the day, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn them down. Hundred million, if it's what it takes, let, let's go for it. And then we got a trade piece. No, it hasn't. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked the last three, four years. They're already young, tried though. that. They're still no, young. no, no. We got to switch it up, Tony. We have to switch it up. We tried already. We have to switch it up. I'm not sure who's available next summer, but we have to switch it up. He, to me, he's not worth a hundred million dollars on a playoff team. Uh, to me, he's maybe a third option. At best, third, fourth option. He's not a second option. He's definitely not a first option. In Orlando, he's a second option because he has no other choice, you know? Nikola Vucevic, you take him out of a roster, our team's completely different. Evan Fournier, you take out. And granted, he's a big part of what we're doing. But we can plug in a player like Terrence Ross and still compete. I don't feel we can really compete without Nikola Vucevic just because of his presence and what he's able to do on the floor. And you're paying Nikola Vucevic 100 mil. I think to me that's that's the biggest difference. How much weight does he have for this team, and is he replaceable for a hundred million? I just don't think that he's worth it. Uh, I don't think so either. And I mean, if he can get you, you know, a couple draft picks, which we don't need youth, but we could take the assets. And a team like Denver, I know that they're willing to trade some of the young players, uh, some of the young guards, plus picks um, for for a shooter, a guy that can make him be more more of a threat in the West. That's when it gets a little debatable. What do you do with Fournier at that point? You know, it's tough. We got seven weeks to go before the trade deadline. There's a lot of questions to be answered. Uh, but again, our team is not playing a high level. You know, we're not five, seven games above 500. We're barely on a player spot right now. Thankfully, we're playing the East. But if we were in the Western Conference, we wouldn't be competing right now. Well, we, you know, 11, 12th seed right now, and we're about to commit $100 million to two players. Fournier and Vucevic for the next four years. That's where it gets a little bit confusing for me. And, and what do you do? It's tough. So I think I agree with Mark. We got to shake it up. We got to make a move. Um, and I think we can all see it. The future is Isaac, Fultz, Bamba, Gordon. That's the future. So I think at some point you got to be able to add a piece to that core. You can't see Fournier in that. I can but not for hundred million dollars, man. Like I just feel like if we're, you got- we're we're just speculating hundred mil. We don't we don't even know if he would even ask realistically even ask for yeah, that I amount. I really don't think you, so. You you would imagine that hey you know I'm I'm playing at an all star level and pay me that money. I'm I'm sure that his agent's gonna push for that my, amount. But so realistically, my, I don't I don't see it happening. My question is this: How many guards out there shooting above forty percent from three point range, yeah. averaging twenty points a game, under the age of thirty? Are now making a hundred million dollars. This is his prime year. I feel like, I feel like in the next couple of games we could really see a big FIBA Fournier. I mean, it's his prime year, but what did he do last season? And we still were able to compete enough in the final stretches to make it into the playoffs and in you know at least battle with Toronto. So Bobby Marks also mentioned that um, the Magic they don't seem ready to move on from Evan Fournier just yet. And it's 
if you move a player like Evan, now you're if you really think about it, the whole dynamics of this team change, right? Because they they really play a lot of offensively through Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier has the ball in his hands pretty often. You take out a player like that, now you're changing the whole dynamic of the team. And you're doing that so late in the game where, you know, February is already around the corner. The trade deadline is right there. And you're still trying to make a playoff push. We're still sitting eighth in the East. You know, just a season, two seasons ago, we weren't even thinking playoffs. Now it's an expectation. Now it's like, hey, if you're not playing, then, hey, we need to trade you. Now, now, if we're talking about Fournier changing the whole dynamic, wouldn't you think that would mean more opportunity for Jonathan Isaac? You know? I I feel like that would be a perfect opportunity. If anything, that would be a better option. We'll have a seven-footer who who dribbles like a guard that could take his shoes, you know, um, who's a lot more younger, has a lot more potential than him. Like I said, we've, we've done this already for Fournier. Let, let's try something else. If it's not Gordon moving on, then it's Fournier. But who, if it's Gordon or Fournier who's gone, Isaac's the, man, the next man up, and I'm really intrigued for him. If, if you're asking me who it is that I would like to see between the two of Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier, I'm picking Aaron Gordon. Yeah. He's the most inconsistent. My issue is you mentioned Jonathan Isaac. His shooting is inconsistent. Now, you let's say that you move a player like Evan Fournier. Now you're you're talking about there's more shots on the table for another player to take. And if a player like Jonathan Isaac can really find his stroke, then okay. You know, that's something that I can see that ends up being successful. But I just don't see it. And Evan Fournier is our best case to put the ball in the hoop and really win games. Here's the thing. I think we're in a tough spot, right? Because... If we give up Fournier, what are we going to go for? Big man? I mean, we were overloaded in that department. If we get rid of Fournier and Gordon, I feel like we're starting over and we're not a playoff team and we're developing again. So what do you do from that part? And, and again, we're stuck. I've been saying that for a while now. As a Magic fan, uh, we've been stuck for a while from the Hannigan days. You know, all those big contracts that he handed out, Fournier being one of them, he left us on a spot like this, which is like, what do we do? We're in the middle. We're either competing, we're young, we're not. We're, we're a playoff team, but yeah, we're developing young talent. So we're really 50-50. We can easily make the playoffs. We can easily miss the playoffs. So it's a tough spot. The only yes. thing is if you signed Fournier back, which I'm okay with. He's just, just a guy that can shoot. He can shoot, you know, 40% from three-point range. I'm okay with that. But then Gordon becomes the piece that you're like, let's let's move him. Let, but, let's but shake if, it up. But if you move Gordon, what what other piece are you going to be replacing him with? Because you're going to be moving Gordon for what? Uh, uh, a guard. A, a guard to replace who? Just a guard in the lineup. Then you move you move Isaac to the four spot. So are you going to mm-hmm. move Evan to to the bench? Or, no, or you move, no, no, no. So three. you'd start you start exactly. So you'd start Fultz, Fournier, whoever that all the guards. So math. we're going to trade Gordon for a bench player. No, 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 no. We already Sorry. have a six-man. No, a shooter. Ross. A shooter that can slide right into a starting lineup. So the but shooter crazy, would play the two guys. What's crazy to me is we could sign a shooter right now, and mm-hmm. that's uh, Jamal Crawford. Without doing any trades. Yeah, sign but Fournier. Jamal Crawford is not going to carry your team to the, further in the playoffs. I think Jamal Crawford I, could I, win a game here and there for you, and he's going to be a, a locker room guy who's going to influence the culture of the team, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to give you – Plus ten wins on the season, plus fifteen wins on the season. I don't. I don't think. All right, Orlando, you guys could call me the Fournier guy <laughs> today, but I, I, it's it's a tough it's a tough trade scenario, and uh, I just I, I I don't know where you go from here. You old regime versus new regime, and uh, you get rid of Gordon, 
you got to replace him with with uh, a, a starter. You can't trade Gordon Young, athletic uh, star potential. No, ideally player for a bench player. Ideally, it would be Gordon, a couple of picks for a guard like Zach Levine or somebody of that nature, a guard that can come in and make a difference with Fournier. And then that way you slide Isaac to his natural position, which is a power forward position. And now you got faults, two shooters, Isaac and Fournier, uh, and Vucevic inside the lineup. Again, is that realistic? Is that going to happen? Who knows? But that would be my option number one. In this league, you need shooters. Fournier is a shooter. That's the guy you want to if, keep here. If it's up to me, last last thought here would be uh, you're getting rid of Gordon, you're getting rid of uh, Fournier, and uh, and and you're doing a three three team uh, deal here and and trying to get a star. The exciting part is we're gonna find out soon. February is right around the corner, and you know or, we'll, we'll or really not see. that exciting. <laughs> <It, laughs> no, with true. the same team <laughs> or not exactly, exactly. So in a game against Philadelphia, um, Fox Sports Florida, they had a microphone for Markel Fultz where we got to get a chance to listen to a little bit of Markel that we, we don't get to, to really see a side of him. Um, let, let's take a listen real quick. I thought that was really fun to see from Markel. Really got to see a little, a little bit of his personality, and for the most part, it seems like he really enjoys playing here. I think so too. I mean, it's, it's again, like you said, it's fun to see that side of him. Uh, we don't get to see much of him, other than you know a random interview here or there, post game, or he did a podcast recently with the Orlando Magic uh, Pod Squad. But that's about it. Like you don't get to really hear from Markel, so it's fun to see him having fun, even in a game like as crucial as last night against his previous team. The game was close at that point, uh, and he sounds like a regular fan. I do that all the time when I'm, I'm at the arena. I, I, I mimic Paul Porter in that fourth quarter, so that was kind of fun to see. Uh, so yeah, I mean that that was that was interesting for sure. I'm enjoying seeing uh, the team get more emotional. I saw Vucevic coming off that three versus Philly. And uh, I know I was looking at Alvaro. We were at the game together, and we're like, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> and it was Vucevic showing some emotion, which I love. So uh, I'm starting to enjoy seeing the team getting uh, getting uh, rallied up against uh, these opponents. So that's what makes last night's loss against Milwaukee just that much worse. Because I feel like, you know, with that win, the team needed it. It would have really showed us that we were rolling. Would have been our three game winning streak. It was a game that we we really should have took advantage, but yeah. but we do talk about no more moral victories. No more right? moral victories. So we lost it. We know why we lost it because it's the same issues all the time. The only way to fix it is to go in the locker room, look at each other, and be like, "I you, I it's need your to hold fault. you accountable. No, you need to it. hold me accountable, and we need to get better." I agree. I mean, you you cannot go ahead and be you know Chicago in a good game. Fairly in a good game, and you go and without Giannis, but without Bledsoe, you lose a game like tonight. Let's be real, though; it was barely Philly. Yeah, that's true. And and I mean, and, and I mean, for in me, last, in the last few minutes, we were up by 12, 13 But listen, f- yeah, we were, and I feel like the we we should have won by a lot more points than that. And it's uh, I think coaching decisions that uh, got us down to a one point game. One one big difference I noticed from. From the Philly game and the Milwaukee game was um, 
the Philly game, you can tell like right off the bat from first quarter to fourth quarter, we wanted that game. We wanted to win that game. We got our rebound in 57 to 35 against Milwaukee. Something like that, yeah. We didn't want it. Simple, That's true. Point blank, we didn't want it. That's true. But they didn't come prepare. All right, so let's move forward to the week ahead. So Monday, we play against Atlanta. Wednesday, Washington. Friday versus Miami. And Saturday versus Utah. Game of the week? Miami. Miami. Welcome. If there's one team we cannot lose to and we need to bring our A game, is against Miami. Yep. I agree. And I think that's why that should be our game of the week. So, fellas, uh, who do we got winning that game? Ariel, I'll start with you. Oh, man, I wanted some time to think about it. But I will go with a loss against Miami. They're playing too good right now. And uh, that's my second home. So, Yeah, I, I agree with, with Ariel. Um, I think Miami's playing really well. I think Jimmy Butler's brought, like, a new energy and character to these guys. He's He's that guy that, you know, you could count on to close games out. Um, and so his guys rely on him. Um, yeah, the, the, the rookies are, are playing really well, too. I think everyone on that team is playing above expectation. Uh, and so they're, they're dangerous for the Magic. To me, it's going to be an L. Um, we haven't played a team like Miami this year. Yeah. Um, they're going to punch us right in the face, I'm going to be honest. We're not ready for them. Um, they're, they're too ruthless. They're too physical for us. The way we're playing right now, we just got out-rebounded by 22 uh, rebounds against Milwaukee. Miami's going to smack us right in the face. I'm, I'm going to be honest. So are they going to punch us or, or are they going <laughs> to smack us? Cause, uh, Both. going to punch, smack us, kick us. I mean, so, I think it's going to be a close game. I mean, smack. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up a little bit. I think we show up. I think we show up and we, we defend home court. Uh, we and we beat Miami. I think that we uh, we're due for a big game. I know Philly was one of those games that we won recently that was against a, a really good team, and I think we'll do it again against Miami. When when is the Miami game? Friday. Friday. Okay. So I, just, I, I, I just, it's the first game we're disagreeing on, and it would have been the tiebreaker. But oh, so I gotta win, man. I I think we win that game. But no, it's it's the new year. It doesn't count. It's a new month. That's true. I wanted to go against Al, but I kind of, I kind of agree with you. I think with home court advantage, I think we're going to show up. It's going to be a really good test for us. But uh, let, let's get into final thoughts. Final thoughts for me in the new year, 2020. Um, I want to see this team just be consistent again, man. Like, I miss going to Amway knowing that we're going to win the game. Like, no matter who we played, we're going to play hard. We're going to win the game. Um, right now, no matter who we're playing against, I'm not confident. I just don't feel that positive feel towards the team as I did last year, again, the second half of the year. So I, I hope we don't wait until February, March to turn it around. I hope in the new year we kind of just wake up and start winning some games. Yeah, for me, I, I agree. I also want to go into the new year, get through trade deadline, and still see Fournier in that magic blue. That would uh, that would make my you know early early part of the year for me. So for me, it would be coach wake up, slip out of the routine, and uh, let's uh, let's win some games on uh, great coaching. For me, it's going to be um, I want to see the players trust trust each other more. Um, I feel like we're playing selfish basketball right now. Um, if we could get back to playing the way we played the last thirty games of last season, just really trusting each other, moving the ball. 
I feel like we can turn it around, but I feel like we have too many guys that are just trying to be the man right now, and it's just not working. For me, if we're not playing well, changes need to be made, whether that be player transaction or rotations or coaching decisions, anything at all. So that's one it. Thing, one thing to be cautious with here, we have a ton of home games coming up before a tough Western Conference road trip. So we got to make sure that we win these games at home. We take care of home court. Miami's one of them. We play against Atlanta coming up. Uh, we got to make sure that we take care of home court. Otherwise, we could easily be, you know, seven games on the 500, eight games on the 500. We don't want to be that team. Be teams that you're supposed to be. That's right. All right. Anyways, this is a really good episode. Appreciate you guys listening. And that's it. We're done. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.